You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. Mark and Patrick, it is February 19th, Friday afternoon, another happy hour edition of the Beltway Briefing. Caitlin is off today. It is the big 3-0 for, for our friend Caitlin Martin. So she's celebrating uh, down in Florida. Amazing. But we have a special guest <laughs> from New York, live. It's Stuart Shorenstein from our New York office. Stuart, Stuart chairs our New York City practice and also does some work in Washington from time to time. Stuart, thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure. I'm sure. Thank you for bringing up the average age of the podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I right. had to counterbalance Caitlin. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, so, guys, let's start here. Uh, yesterday or two days ago, I've lost track. Senator Ted Cruz decided to leave the balmy climate of Texas to go be a quote unquote good dad and take his kids to Cancun. So guys, let's start here. We're all dads and two of us are grandfathers. Not, I shouldn't say us. Two of you are grandfathers. So Patrick, what makes you, what are you going to do to be a good dad this weekend? Well, we haven't left the house in like a year and a half. So I, I feel like by that standard, I must be a bad dad. Um, no, that, that was, uh, I mean, a classic example of the number of iterations and apologies and story changes that have come with this this whole saga is just uh, it's criminal from a just political human being standpoint. But uh, to answer your question directly, to be a good dad, we are going to try not to go crazy and just uh, keep watching the sound of music on rerun. Mark, what are you going to be what are you going to do to be a good dad and a good grandpa? Well, I was just uh, being a good grandfather. I taught my two granddaughters in Marblehead how to draw a house, a ski house, to be precise, over Zoom. So I'm way ahead of Ted Cruz as far as I'm concerned. The thing about... Now we know why you couldn't make the client call this afternoon. That's exactly right. (laughs) Absolutely. Three to four. Priorities. Priorities. That's the right priority. So he's a bad guy and by the way he's just a bad guy but he is also a bad dad because he threw his daughters under the bus oh yeah he didn't even have the integrity to say my wife and i made a bad decision he blamed it on his children that was awful he's awful i'm sorry Stuart, what what are you gonna do or what have you done today to be a good dad and a good grandfather well i am doing a win, win, win. Uh, Every Friday night, our two grandchildren, now seven and eight, uh, will sleep over. They have dinner with uh, their parents and and us, and then they sleep over, and we give our daughter and her husband a night off where they can just enjoy themselves. That is, we that have a too. great time and the children. <laughs> yes, that's two for the price of one. That's being a good dad and a good grandfather <laughs> all, all rolled together. 
Yeah, there, there it is. The United States Senator, if Ted Cruz can with your performance, I think you, you should be in the Senate. I'm going to let Jake beat me at Madden tonight. That's what I'm going to do to be a good dad. Stuart, that is a heck of a gift. We got that last Friday from our uh, from my mom. And we were talking with her. You guys, I feel like I'll appreciate this. That Almost every area of parenting, our parents can tell us we've done that. And you guys just start going through it for the first time. But having kids at home in a pandemic, all of our parents have said, we did not have to deal with anything like this. And we're happy to give you a night off. So that's (laughs) awesome that you're doing that. It's this is insane. And a global pandemic and the state is literally frozen. And the guy gets on a plane. I mean, I but I'll tell you, there's there is some beauty to this, which is I feel like this is the week where normal scandals, normal political scandals are back in the news after four years of day in and day out, just complete and utter nonsense and like head spinning scandals. Now we're just in the realm of of normal political scandals. We've got Ted Cruz in Texas and we'll talk a little bit later about Andrew Cuomo in New York, but this is normal dysfunction. Well, that is such a good point, Howard. I hadn't uh, thought of that, but it's exactly right. Because even if uh, Ted Cruz did this in the Trump administration, and by the way, he did much worse in the Trump administration, but even if he did this, all we would be talking about is Trump's reaction to it. Right. So it's just such a pleasure that the president of the United States didn't say anything about Ted Cruz. Here's what I want to know. I want to get your guys' perspective. So I, what I've been talking about, Caitlin and I are trying to figure out, will he, will he get punished by the hardcore supporters uh, because he gave kind of a weak changing his mind answer like it seems like what trump would always do this is why no one can be trump but trump what trump always does is just unequivocally fights back gives no ground he would say he wasn't even at the airport i mean he would just flat out lie yeah it's it's a hoax mega crowd rallies around that because they hate the press so much and they hate the cnn coverage so much but do do they like how cruz is like will they defend him in the same way no. Uh, my my guess is uh, the, the optics here couldn't be worse. <laughs> the people who are his supporters are suffering. It isn't just someone else's suffering that not his supporters, so they don't count. And But I haven't seen an awful lot of punishment of their own leadership by the, by the uh, far right. Uh, they seem to just accept... Uh, the um, the infirmities and and just like with Trump, I mean, I think a lot of people didn't like Trump's uh, uh, antics, but they accepted him because they liked his policies. And, and yeah, but I think that's about Trump, Stewart, not about the right. Well, I mean, I don't think I don't think I think people of all persuasions are going to abandon Ted Cruz. But what That's, does that mean, Howard? That he's got six years to go, or right. four years, I guess, to go at this point. Mm-hmm. Four years is a long time. I, I don't know what 
punishment is possible. Everybody in the Senate already hates him. So it's it's just more of the same for this guy. Yeah, he I, literally has no shame. So I, I agree, Mark. I, he will not, I don't think he'll pay no, he has no shame. really That's any true. price for it. And, and the, I just, the thing I find interesting in watching the coverage when, when you watch like the cable networks, it feels like the more criticism that you see on the networks and stuff, all of it valid and completely true. I mean, it's just unbelievable what he did. But you can see the the MAGA kind of world rallying around. They don't like when they feel like the press goes overboard and you can, and then they start to feel like it's somehow an attack on them. I just wonder if that will resonate or if that's a Trump thing. It's a Trump well, thing. He already, he went on, Ted Cruz was on Hannity last night blaming the misery in Texas on wind power and not even talking about I know, but Ted Cruz is not Donald Trump. No. None of us like Trump, but none of us on this podcast right now like Trump, but he is uniquely able to blow through stuff because he... Well, he just denies he it. He just blows yeah, through that, it. I mean, totally. He just. There is no question he would have denied going to Mexico. Fake news. Ted the Cruz. comment I heard, though, was I'm forgetting who it is, but somebody on uh, CNN, Howard's favorite uh, news network, somebody last night said that we should have built the wall while Cruz was in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I I am really, it is very striking how, like, this was, like, the most normal, I mean, it's a terrible thing what he did, but it was, obviously, but it was almost like a normal, it was a normal political moment, like, that could have happened 10 years ago. And, And I don't know, there's some, there's something to this that it's like a reversion to to normalcy on some level that I think is kind of interesting. Also interesting, though, if I may, Howard, is the question whether the disaster, just the unmitigated disaster in Texas is going to uh, affect the Republican leadership there. Texas was trending purple, hasn't caught, it's not Georgia, didn't quite get there. As Patrick knows, it's the fool's gold in in our party. We're always expecting to take Texas. But I just wonder if maybe what happened and the response of the governor and Cruz going to Mexico and the rest, maybe. It doesn't help, but I think the bigger issue is that from an energy perspective, I think that what has happened down there has implications for energy policy and specifically an emboldened Democratic green agenda, because even though Ted Cruz is blaming windmills, um, it's um, we have a uh, failed basically the energy grid down there all but all but failed and so it's got it's got major implications. We're actually going to write about that this week in Co's and Currents, so our our listening audience can can look for our newsletter and learn more about that. 
I, I uh, think, Howard, that yeah. that uh, um, your theory will get tested as you see how the um, the MAGA networks uh, treat him. If yeah. you back on Hannity last night, uh, that tells you something of uh, of excusing. Uh, gross misconduct and bad optics. Yeah. And so it becomes uh, really bad for them. But but then you have to see what the voters start to say if there's polls and other things that show what the um, what the state thinks because they were living through this. And to me, it's that that's about ratings. I mean, if you, any network were to take, put Ted Cruz on last night. But we'll see. You're right, Stuart. Time will tell. Is that where conservatives, that's where you go to atone, right? That's that's the that's where you go to say I screwed Fox up. News. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's shift gears to your neck of the woods, Stuart. It's been quite a week for your governor, Governor Cuomo, who you know and um and and, and you, you work with the Cuomo administration regularly. But t- tell us Tell us what's going on with Andrew Cuomo and nursing home data, because it it seems to have a new twist every 30 seconds. Yeah. And 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 it it certainly um, it certainly does uh, uh, keep um, keep moving by the hour. uh, The story Uh, this this all uh, started to blow up uh, when the attorney general, Tish James, uh, was very close to Cuomo, published a rather scathing report at the end of uh, January uh, saying that the, um, there was a failure to disclose uh, information about the number of deaths in nurse, of nursing home people in, in hospitals. And, uh, and, and then it came out that there was a, uh, a kind of a, an uproar building in the legislature who had been asking for information for months about this, uh, that what is the, um, uh, what, what are the statistics? And the governor and, and his uh, Department of Health were not uh, disclosing them. And there was then a meeting with the legislature and the governor's secretary uh, in that meeting uh, said, a lot of things, most of which were harmless, uh, but said that there was a time when they didn't want to uh, provide information uh, to Washington because they thought it would be weaponized by the then president. And they were probably right that it would have been, but that is not necessarily an excuse for not providing information that's requested because it isn't all that favorable. And uh, that then was leaked by Democrats at the meeting. And the governor uh, uh, went um, uh, kind of ballistic on, as as is reported, uh, and reported that he was bullying and and other people started to say this is a, um, a trait of his. And of course, you know, when you meet the governor, he seems like a, a regular affable guy. Uh, we're not privy to these private conversations that he may have with, uh, uh, with individual legislators. And the Republicans have now called for his impeachment. 
the progressives for whom there's no love loss with the governor are, uh, are, are saying that's a great idea and probably the only time they'll ever agree with the, with the Republicans. And uh, it's, it's unfortunately for the governor, uh, this story which would blow over in a few days in New York, if it was just an Albany story, has gone national. Yeah. And they kind of made a celebrity out of out of uh, an, an assemblyman named Kim that no one ever heard of. And they finally released the transcripts, which were basically helpful to the governor. But it took a while to release them. And now we'll see how it how it plays out. They call it the third term curse okay. of New York governors. And that's what he's going through. Well, first of all, he should send a thank you card and a bouquet of flowers to Ted Cruz to thank him for taking Cuomo off the front pages. Um, but there's also a criminal investigation. I yes, think that's been opened the, up by the Eastern district of New York or one of the exactly, districts anyway. Exactly. And, and, and that is, so there's, there's, there's two problems. This has become a national story and, you know, the press um, has uh, a history of trying to make people into heroes. And, and Cuomo during the pandemic was that kind of hero. And he was someone that where there was an abdication in Washington, he took the lead, he gave hope, he gave facts, he gave uh, um, uh, progress, and he was fighting uh, against the virus. And he won the Emmy Award and everything else. But the press also loves to take down the heroes. And as soon as there is some peccadillo that rises, uh, there he goes. And, and the investigation, though, is serious, depending on what they choose to investigate and what they think, if they think it was a crime somewhere. Uh, I, I actually I think if I, if I were in the MAGA crowd, which I am most certainly not, I would say... Why are you talking about Ted Cruz and not Andrew Cuomo? Because, right. okay, Ted Cruz made a bad decision. He got on a plane and went to Cancun. He abandoned his state. You're not talking about uh, covering up deaths. Like, get that on the front page. Get that on your CNN scroll. Well, no, it's it's worse. It's been on the national news, Howard. It has, but CBS. It's been. It's not being covered. It's it's not being covered. I don't think as aggressively as as it could be. What do you think, Stuart? All politics is local. What do you think it means in Albany for getting things done? Well, I was just going to. We're working, of course, everybody on on this podcast is working with clients who uh, have interests in Albany that we are advocating for. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on on whether it it certainly doesn't help his his position. But is this going to get in the way of getting things done in Albany? Well, that's that's exactly the right question. Mark and 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 I uh, just got off the phone with um, with uh, uh, an hour call with with a state senator and uh, it's unclear. Uh, this comes at a very very bad point in time. 
because we're in the middle of budget season. And budget is always a time of intensity and intense fighting uh, between the legislature and the governor. Uh, the governor usually has leverage during the budget season, but this could uh, alter that leverage in terms of negotiations. And the, and the governor needs to have an on-time budget by April 1st. Uh, and there's so many things up in the air that uh, very unclear what the impact will be on, the, on these negotiations. There's taxes, there's, uh, there's marijuana, there's sports betting, there's all kinds of, every kind of issue you can imagine is on the table right now. So, Stuart, one of the traditions of this podcast is making predictions. I have uh, made a couple that Howard keeps reminding me of. Somehow, I, I never get reminded of the ones I made that proved to be exactly right. But I have missed one or two. We're going to put you on the spot as our guest star here. Handicap the odds for us of a couple of those things that you just said. Are we going to get cannabis legislation in Albany? Are we going to get sports betting legislation in Albany? And, and others on that list. Uh, I'm going to say yes as to cannabis. Um, uh, probably leaning towards yes on, on mobile sports betting. Because um, both the governor and the legislature now have proposals for the first time, even though they're different, um, at least it's it's on the table as both wanting it. Uh, I think that uh, taxes are going to be hard. There won't be a, a stock transfer tax. Uh, some people in the legislature are suggesting that the mega, mega, mega wealthy pay a mark to market tax on capital appreciation, even if they don't sell the capital asset. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. Does that include you and Janice Stewart? Uh, uh, this, this, would, this would not impact us uh, personally. <laughs> what about your, what in the about your future, yeah, I, I'm worried about the future, Howard. <laughs> uh, and and I, I think that a lot depends on what happens from Washington in terms of the, uh, the stimulus passing and the support for state and local governments. I also think I could see that if there is a, um, a, uh, uh, a passage of, of the stimulus, that maybe um, there's a press conference down the road with his friend, the president, that will uh, try to ease things with the public about all the things that they're able to do from the Gateway Tunnel to the MTA to all kinds of other projects that um, he loves to uh, uh, come and talk to the Association for a Better New York after the passage of each budget. Depends on the criminal investigation. Uh, yeah, that really. That will probably move slowly, Howard. That's true. That's true. Howard, can we take a step back on Cuomo too, just while we're talking about it? I, it's the uh, first Friday of Lent. So as I've got fish and chips tonight on my mind, I'm thinking uh, second book of Samuel, verse one, line 19, how are the mighty fallen? I mean, it is unbelievable when you think about at the beginning of the pandemic, the just 
overwhelming kind of adulation that Governor Cuomo got. If you had told all of us on this podcast in April of last year that Cuomo would be fighting for his political life a year later and Ron DeSantis would be, you know, in every Republican conversation about being a future nominee of the party, I would have thought you were crazy. And it just shows how much has changed and how fluid this whole handling of the pandemic has been. It's just, I find it just really politically interesting. I have one word for you, Trump. <laughs> that was the comparator for Cuomo. And yeah, go ahead, Mark. Floyd and Stewart, I know you remember this. You're exactly right. 10 months ago in April, there were serious conversations about swapping out Joe Biden for Andrew Cuomo at the top of the Democratic ticket. And what what a difference 10 months makes. I mean, it kind of, I'm trying to think of like a parallel and that's Stuart, like I'm, it reminds me of almost like when Chris Christie was like gonna be the savior of the Republicans to become the nominee in 2012. And then that didn't happen. And then he dealt with the biggest scandal of his political career right after. I mean, it has that kind of feeling to it. Um, yes, but you know, politics change very, very quickly. And you have uh, uh, a lot of dynamics in the legislature right now. Uh, you also have super majorities in both the Senate and the Assembly for the first time, which is another thing to be cautious about. Uh, but, but I think that uh, his goal is to go one more than his father in terms of going for a fourth term. Um, ten fourth terms have not been friendly. What? When would that be? Well, I've lost sight of the That's in 2022. So that's uh, a year from November, but wow. actually a year from, it's a year from June because he will be primaried. He'll be primaried from the left again. And... Um, and, you know, you, you take those things seriously, especially uh, when you have to defend turf instead of uh, uh, putting out there all, all the great accomplishments. And he has accomplished a tremendous amount. Uh, I think that is reflective of the world we're living in, what we're dealing with as a, like what we're up against here, the backdrop, COVID, economic, uh, serious economic problems. And also the fact that he, he has a lot of enemies. Yeah, that Howard, that's the part I find interesting. I was, uh, you know, as we're talking about parallels, these, the, you know, and this was all a Stuart reference, just things I've read in the, in the press, but the, the personality, all these people reporting about kind of the anger, the intensity, like here in Illinois, you know, that's kind of Rahm Emanuel type stuff that you, and, and it's like, it works for you until it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, there's a lot of people who are kind of happy to see that it's not working. And it's just that that's what's so interesting on the personality side of politics. I mean, so I kind of like one. it. It's like old school, rough and tumble, hardball politics. Right. And yeah. you're right. I mean, and, and the first one to jump on the bandwagon and call for a DOJ investigation and, and Blasio. Call for this, that and the other was his yeah. good friend, the mayor of New York. <laughs> right. Uh, so um, uh, friends like that, yeah, they, man. It, it, it's it's going to be a tougher road ahead. Uh, he's a powerful. The, the governor of New York is a powerful governor, and and he is a powerful person. And when you uh, stick a pin in that power, 
you have to see whether he can um, absorb it uh, or not. But I wouldn't put bets against our governor just yet. Well, that, I think that, he is a survivor. Yeah, he is. That, but that's the one interesting thing about this is it's not it's his own party going after him. And I always say, you know, in Washington, you have these multi-member commissions with Republicans and Democrats. And in my experience, the Democrats fight with the Democrats and the Republicans fight with the Republicans more than the Republicans and Democrats fight with one another. It's, and, and it's kind of the same thing his own party is is going after him harder than even the other side. I, well, I but with irony, Howard, with irony, the Republicans in in uh, the Republicans in um, in, uh, uh, in in the in the uh, Senate uh, and the Assembly are calling for his impeachment. But of course, they didn't see anything wrong with what our last president did to warrant impeachment. So uh, uh, there, there, there's a lot of right. irony all the way around. And the other thing that's interesting about, well, back to the legislative question you asked, Mark, is, I mean, it's all about the money. He was down here a week ago in Washington begging for more help from the federal government. Nancy Pelosi actually put out a letter. She wrote a letter to the New York congressional delegation that said, Stop bothering me. Like you're getting $50 billion in the next package. Take your money and, and be quiet. Um, but I mean, New York is hurting in a big way and from a budgetary perspective. And um, that's why he's down here asking for money. That's why sports betting has a chance. That's why cannabis in New York has a chance because all those things create tax dollars and that's good for the the state's fiscal situation which is really bad Stuart. it's it's really bad and there are differences between the legislative proposals and the uh, governor's proposals for instance on canopy and sports betting so how those will get uh fleshed out uh i think the legislature may have a little more leverage than it would have had before yeah they're going to get their money from Washington, the states and localities. Uh, Patrick, what, two weeks and and the federal government can cut a check? Yeah, it's, look, it's about right. As fast as they can possibly do it. Yeah, they're going to get a lot of money. Schumer's going to make sure New York is taken care of. And yep. and but it's it's interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day about a situation in New Hampshire and um, the need for some, um, it wasn't, this wasn't government relief. It was uh, help for the private sector, but there was a particular New Hampshire connection. And this New Hampshire person, person pointed out to me that they actually have a budget surplus in New Hampshire because all the New Yorkers have left New York and gone up to New Hampshire and people are spending money hand over fist. So, it's just a weird, it's a weird time. And, and the point there is you can't paint with a broad brush. New York and New Hampshire are in completely different situations from a fiscal perspective. 
And that makes what Congress is trying to do that much harder, Mark. Right. Um, well, guys, let's uh, let's part with some some closing thoughts. Let's make some predictions about what happens this week. Mark, you always have a prediction. What's what's going to happen? What what? Give us something interesting that happens this coming week. Well, I think what is going to be interesting is the continued reconciliation process. It will be interesting to see if the cake is entirely baked or if the Voterana produces amendments. I'm going with the cake is baked prediction. I think we pretty much know right now what that bill is going to say. I think you can pretty much calendar right now that it's going to be delivered the middle of March. And then then Congress moves on to the next reconciliation because a 50-50 Senate turns out uh, not to be Democratic control. There was breaking news during this podcast, Howard, that Joe Manchin is voting against our friend Neera Tandon's nomination. So this 50-50 this thing, this 50 plus one thing is not all it's cracked up to. That's my point. It's people assume that everything works in lockstep and it doesn't. Right. Right. That's my prediction. Nothing is going to work in lockstep this okay, week. Okay, good. Patrick. Yeah, well, Mark nailed it on the breaking news on Neera Tandon. That that is uh, a huge problem for her, unless she's got a good Republican friend in the Senate. If we're wondering, my prediction: if we're wondering who the first cabinet nomination is going to be, where Kamala Harris has to break the tie to confirm them, I think it's going to be Javier Becerra. I think he's going to get a, a fifty-fifty vote. Uh, even in committee, I think all the Republicans will vote against him. I think the Democrats will stand united uh, to get him confirmed, given the importance of the position. Um, and I think that VP Harris will will break the tie. But we'll have those hearings to watch, and we'll see where that goes. All right, Stuart, give us give us a I'm prediction. Gonna give you two, I'll give you two predictions. All right, uh, and they're based off of Mark's assessment that reconciliation is going to carry the day, which I certainly think will be the case. I think minimum wage does not make it into the final bill. And I think uh, the, re the repeal or the non-repeal of the SALT deductions uh, will make it into the bill. Okay, very good. I'm rooting for Stewart this week. <laughs> not every week, Mark? Come on. Every week, but he's All right. week. My I'll prediction is that the number three Michigan Wolverines beat the number four Ohio State Buckeyes in college basketball on Sunday. That's my uh, bold prediction of the week. It's kind of interesting that I, I, we're this pumped about a Michigan Ohio State game on a Saturday that is not football, but <laughs> it's it's going to be really exciting. It's it's a good one. It's a good at one. least they're ranked. Yeah, exactly. Well, a ranked team. Stewart and I are not in the top 25. I know. Howard now, I was texting Howard about that. Our game got COVID canceled, and I'm uh, very much looking forward to when it gets rescheduled. Yeah, Stewart, we should have started the podcast with the Dukies. What's up? Um, it's just one of those years. 
Okay. But, they, but they've played two good games in a row. And if they beat okay. Virginia tomorrow, maybe they'll get the confidence to run the table. But that's what they need. Otherwise, they're out of the tournament. And they yes. had their star recruit uh, decide that um, his pro basketball future was better if he went off the court than if he stayed on the court. Mm-hmm. So. Not crazy. All right. Well, we should do a sports podcast next time you're on, Stuart. But um, this was fun, Stuart. Thank you for uh, – this is your Beltway briefing. Well, it may not be your debut, but it's your re-debut. It I think it's my your debut. debut. All right. Well, thanks for uh, well, thanks for coming on. Right there, and one go. one more bullet, uh, one more happy birthday to Caitlin, too, our colleague and friend. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.